0: All right, welcome to another episode of season two of Cohort W. Uh, I am your host, USWAC faculty member and current Warrant Officer Historical Foundation fellow CW5, Leonard Bommany. In today's episode, my uh, guest will share some personal and professional experience, mentorship, and leadership as a senior warrant officer. Uh, The senior warrant officer will then examine how some of this insight should ultimately influence action development, and education within their branch and core, and possibly even the greater cohort. The conversation is directed at leader development, talent management, and what they are doing to support the Army for large-scale combat operations. Finally, all Cohort W guests will have an opportunity to share a favorite anecdote from their career as a senior warrant officer. Uh, Today, I am joined by the Military Intelligence Corps Command Chief Warrant Officer, CW5 Anderson. Thanks so much for your time today, sir.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate being here.
0: All right. Uh, can you just share with the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So CW5, Aaron Anderson, uh, 350 Fox by trade. So that's an all-source intelligence technician. And, and what that involves is really uh, bringing in uh, different Uh, intelligence disciplines, so signals intelligence, geospatial intelligence, uh, bringing in all the different feeds, all the different information, and kind of putting a puzzle together. Uh, And and what that leads to is providing commander understanding of the enemy. So uh, as an intel tech, I want to make sure that uh, a commander has situational awareness, situational understanding, and then decisions based on the battlefield. Uh, Currently serving as the Chief Warrant Officer of the MI Corps, as mentioned, been in seat for about two years. And it was recently selected by Lieutenant General Martin to serve as the uh, next uh, U.S. Army Combined Arms Center Command Chief Warrant Officer. So uh, re- really happy to be in that position as well.
0: That is uh, pretty unbelievable. And uh, I'm sure everybody out there listening will uh, extend their uh, virtual congratulations to you on uh, being pulled up. Uh, can you tell me what some of your daily work as a senior warrant officer, leader, and uh, advisor involves.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think what I'd like to do is circle back just a little bit. And, you know, as we discussed the chief warrant officer, the, the MI Corps, uh, and, and the CAC CCWO, just kind of give a little bit more insight into, you know, some of the places I've been and some of the things I've done, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay. So I've, you know, I've had assignments from the tactical to the strategic. I've spent time in forces command in our intelligence and security command uh, and training and doctrine command. So uh, I've gotten pretty well-rounded. I got a good bit of diversity and I think diversity still counts. And we'll probably talk about that a little later as we talk about talent management Uh, in terms of different jobs that I've had prior to taking the chief warrant officer, the MI core job, I was the MI branch warrant officer proponent. So working all the accession and life cycle issues for uh, the roughly 3,500 MI warrant officers across Compose one, two, and three. Prior to that, I was the course manager for our one officer ILE follow-on and the senior instructor for our senior service education follow-on. Um, I spent uh, three years at 18th Airborne Corps as a senior intelligence analyst working for General Townsend and Lieutenant General Anderson while they were commanders there. I've got multiple senior analyst jobs at our intelligence and security command. I'm a multiple deployer, uh, multiple times, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, also, going going back a few years, I uh, got some time in Bosnia and Kosovo as well. I uh, hold a, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice as well as a master's degree in strategic intelligence from our National uh, Intelligence University. Um, I've got an interesting path to becoming a warrant. Uh, I came in, uh, enlisted. I was a 96 Bravo intelligence analyst. Uh, became a non-commissioned officer, went to OCS, was an officer, uh, and was appointed as a warrant officer from the rank of captain. So so a little bit unusual there. Uh, grew up in western New York, go Bills, and uh, I've been in the Army my, my entire adult life, uh, just short of 27 years, and uh Became a warrant officer in 2006, hey, sir.
0: I really appreciate that detailed background, but uh, there are a handful of members of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation that are Boston fans, and so we cannot acknowledge or support your fandom for Buffalo. I apologize, and this is a disclaimer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll just have to agree to disagree. But 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 I love it. It's great rivalry. Good. <laughs> It okay, really is. So uh, if I can I'd circle back to the the kind of last question that you asked and, and it involved, um, you know, some of my daily work and some of the things that I'm involved in currently, uh, I would tell you a lot of the things that I do involve directly supporting my boss, who's uh, Major General Tony Hale, and he serves as a chief of the Military Intelligence Corps. I spend a lot of time, uh, both emails on the phone, in person, uh, doing mentoring. Uh, officers, warrant officers, enlisted alike. I uh, spend a lot of time working talent management issues, trying to make sure that we're getting the right warrant officers with the right skill set to the right place at the right time. Uh, in my mind, to operate uh, as a CW-5, you really need to be branch technical. Uh, we've got eight different occupational special t- specialties across the MI Corps. So, you know understanding those and how they fit in the picture, um, how they work within the Intel War Fighting function, how the Intel War Fighting function works uh, within the Army. So those are all important. Uh, I I really don't focus on specifically warrant officer issues. Uh, What I do look at is MI branch issues through a warrant officer lens. Um, You know, certainly I I work my share of warrant officer specific issues, but that's not all the leadership uh, would ask of me here. Uh, As the Chief Warrant Officer of the branch, currently working multiple initiatives across the .MLPFP spectrum. Uh, Some of those involve evaluating current structure, looking at future structure, looking at force modernization, looking at the Army rearm efforts and how we shape the force for the future Army 2035, uh, looking at different things that the Army Talent Management Task Force is doing, uh, currently, for MI brain specifically, looking at some of our systems, the terrestrial layer system, uh, the tactical intelligence targeting analysis node, and then capability drop to some of our new systems for our analysts. Uh, looking at, you know, I was just out at the Combined Arms Center, uh, I think two weeks ago, looking at how we fight the, the Army of 2030. Uh, you know, and all those things kind of lead into Army modernization, which, you know, Army modernization is ultimately going to make the Army better.
0: So you, you talked about a, a lot of things in there, uh, a, a lot of big, uh, big picture items. Are, are, are there some specific initiatives and focal points uh, relating to making the members of your branch specifically more lethal and ready to support large scale combat ops and multi-domain ops?
1: Um, well, well, I think all the things that I talked about kind of relate to, to that, um, you know, making them more lethal in, in terms of, you know, specifics. Uh, we've worked very hard at our, our Warrant Officer PME uh, in our Warrant Officer Training Branch to modernize, uh, going from COIN, so bringing the, the POI from COIN to LISCO. Um, we're, we're working with a date compliance scenario now. Um, we're really drilling in on the threat uh, and, and what the threat looks like uh, in, in a peer-type fight. Um, so, so we are really, uh, you know, working hard to make sure that we're looking at the right problem set so we can be value added to the army.
0: Now you mentioned, uh, that you, uh, have been working a lot of the, uh, specific education associated with, uh, your, your field. Uh, but it, within that, we we're here talking about big army doctrine and, um, you know, do you see that the warrant officer, regardless of their technical specialty, um, you know, being required to to get in there and and uh, find ways to inundate themselves with some of those larger concepts like, uh, you know, the multi-domain operations and the operational tenants and things like that?
1: I, I do. Uh, and I think the future for the Army warrant officer is bright, to be quite frank with you. Um, I think as we look at large-scale combat operations, multi-domain operations, uh, the technical demands are are, are huge. Um, you know, we went through a period of coin uh, where uh, there was some some of our warrant officers across the cohort maybe weren't doing the types of things that we would uh, necessarily expect out of large-scale combat operations. So, getting back to some of those fundamentals. Uh, I think is hugely important, but you, you know, on the modern battlefield, there there's a huge technical requirement for the services that warrant officers provide. So uh, I think the future is is very bright for for Army warrant officers.
0: Talent management of personnel uh, is a major undertaking, and you mentioned that one of the things that you do as the uh, the command chief warrant officer is y- you make sure that you know people are in the right spot, and, and that's a major undertaking, um, but. Also, another critical aspect of that is uh, recruitment and subsequent management of that talent. Uh, What are you guys doing to uh, uh, really approach recruitment? Or what would you like to say to soldiers who may be listening right now and thinking about becoming a warrant officer in, uh, in the Intel Corps?
1: Yeah, so, so that's great. Let me let me try to frame that up just a little bit with a couple other things that, that I'd like to mention when it comes to talent management. Um, you know, as we look at Army talent management, the Army talent management task force, the Army talent alignment process, I think there's a, a few things that I'd like to mention. Uh, as I look at talent management, uh, I believe that diversity still counts. And you can get diversity a couple different ways. Maybe that's moving through uh, different geographic areas, or maybe that's diversity inside your own Warrant Officer MOS. Um, Both of those are fine, but I think in the eyes of a promotion board, uh, regardless of your rank, diversity still counts. Uh, I I would tell the listeners that uh, as a Warrant Officer, your own best career manager, I think it's prudent to make a three to five year plan. I think it's prudent to go out and look at those career maps that are available um, from, from each of the different uh, branches and cores and take a look at those and really make a five-year plan and kind of look at, map out your career, map out where you want to go in the future. Uh, for warrant officers, I always say when I'm doing LPDs that all jobs are key in development uh, and, and performance is really what counts. Uh, and, and so I think at the end of the day, performance is what gets folks promoted. So it's important. You know, we've recently gone from a more industrial model uh, that that we've been using, basically going back to World War I uh, to to bring talent into our force. I think we've moved to a model that's much more data rich. It's certainly uh, talent driven. And I think it's important for the listeners to understand that they need to understand the process. You need to understand the Army talent alignment process business rules, understand things like knowledge, skills, and behaviors and how they're used. Uh, and, and understand the whole process moving forward. So that, that's kind of the framework there. Um, but what are we doing specifically in terms of the military intelligence branch? Uh, I, I would tell you that across the Army, and, and we'll get to MI, but across the Army, there is currently a technical warrant officer shortage. Uh, the ForceCom commander came up online and said that's one of his primary concerns right now is that tech warrant officer shortage across FORSCOM for the proponents, then that that obviously becomes a a number one concern as well. And so what we've done is we've brought in a lot of force structure, right? So we brought in multi-domain task forces, theater fires, commands, things like that. Um, And and so there's a bill to pay for all of those different things. And so that requires us to increase the sessions for the MI branch. And uh, one of the things that we're looking at and have been looking at uh, is, is all the prerequisites for our, our eight warrant officer MOSs and looking at opening up the potential talent pool to bring in uh, additional, bring in and assess additional warrant officers. Um, we have had good success looking at sister services, for example, I think in 2021, MI branch brought in uh, 19 sister services sessions. So that's pretty good. Um, so again, that's just opened up the aperture a little bit. Um, and then you know trying to close that gap, and then also looking at uh, retention in the force, you know targeting to our CW3s and CW4s. Uh, I think the Army is looking at initiatives, uh, looking at the the, the upper out system, taking a holistic look at that. Now that's not MI specific, but uh, I think those things down the road could potentially uh, help MI. I maintain army readiness. You
0: know, you talked about talent management and you talked about, uh, retention to some of those folks. Um, one thing that I think when we talk about retention and, and moving up, there's a lot of curiosity when you're sitting as a three or you're sitting as a four, you know, regarding how do you understand moving into some of those senior positions? And you've obviously traversed uh, a lot of significant positions. So, uh, can, can you comment toward how senior warrant officers in your branch or field are, are, are vetted and selected for specific roles, um, whether it's something like uh, your current role, uh, command chief warrant officer, or even as a uh, senior warrant officer advisor? Or, or what should they look out for or what should they be thinking about even when they take on these roles?
1: Now that That's a great question. Probably, um Couple different ways to answer that. So if I if I was a CW three or CW four, I guess to to tackle that piece of it first, I would tell you that I, I don't know if there's a magic framework or a magic formula uh, to to get to the senior positions at W five. What I typically tell folks is, you know, continue to work hard. Uh, performance, as I mentioned before, performance really counts. Um, people need to be cognizant of the milestones that they have within their careers, making sure that they're hitting their PME on time, uh, getting after some of the civilian education, which is really important to take a swing at some of these senior positions. But, but really, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's be value added. Be value added and be a team player. You need to take the senior positions for the right reasons, certainly. And, and the right reason is, is usually to, to give back to the force. Um, you know, MI specifically, how do we choose those, those different senior positions uh, I would tell you for the Chief Warrant Officer of the branch position, which I'm in right now, and for our Intelligence and Security Command, uh, Command Chief Warrant Officer position, uh, those positions are open for uh, any of our W-5s across the eight MLSs. Um, and uh, there is an interview process um, that they go through that process. There's discussion at the MI Board of Directors level, which is our uh, DAG-2 the, the chief warrant officer of that or the chief of the MI Corps as well as the uh, two star commander of our intelligence and security command they have a discussion, um, but we do move the movement cycle is according with the the two the marketplace, um, so there is a vetting process uh, for those positions. Um, I would tell you just overall I think. For, for those CCWO positions and the CW positions. Um, not all branches tackle them uh, in a similar fashion. I think it's pretty well instituted for aviation uh, and SF. I think uh, probably on a, on a larger Army level, we probably need to dig into 600-20 and, and probably pin down the definitions for Senior Warrant Officer Advisor uh, and Command Chief Warrant Officer and what that is. Um, typically, uh, I would say a command chief warrant officer is a, a CW5, uh, probably nothing less, really. Um, PME complete, and then uh, selected in, in in some fashion that's equitable. I don't know. It's got to be on a centralized board, but it, but it certainly could be. Um, but so so that you know, putting my cat hat on a little bit, that's one of the things that we're going to look at is uh, the definitions for SWOA for CCWO. Uh, and then what constitutes uh, somebody serving in those positions. So hopefully that helps.
0: No, it definitely helps. And I'm sure a lot of people get, so, uh, get some good uh, use out of that. I, I know I served as a battalion SWO. Uh, and, um, you know, the first thing I, I thought when I got there was, oh, so what do I do here? And we kind of figured that out. I, I know that there's a, a, a council that that meets. Um, the frequency I'm not terribly sure of, um, uh, but, uh, senior warrants come together and discuss those things. So it's nice to hear that you'll be talking about that from the CAC position.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the council you're talking about is the, uh, army warrant officer council, uh, which is the next one is scheduled to meet on the 27th of June. Um, I believe I will co-chair that meeting, uh, and on behalf of uh, the Chief of Staff, the Army Senior Warrant Officer Advisor, CW5 Dixon Carter, and, uh, and we'll go through that. Um, we'll talk with the proponent, senior leaders, about um, you know, some of the things that we're trying to get after, as I mentioned with the sessions, uh, I'm gonna talk about um, some possibilities for direct accessions, for direct commissioning for warrant officers. Uh, we'll get an update from TRADOC, update from FORSCOM, uh, and and we'll put out a bunch of different information from the Army Talent Management Task Force, uh, and the senior there, CW Five Rick Knowlton So it should be a, a good and informative our uh, walk coming up. So look forward to that. But I believe that's what you were that's what you were mentioning.
0: Mark your calendars, people. Twenty seven June. It
1: it, it definitely bye has bye a... invite only. Uh, invite oh, only no no no
0: no. <laughs> oh, you can't walk that one back. I think we all will be. Uh, you know, interested to see what comes
1: uh, out from the council. So very nice.
0: Yeah. Um
1: what, what, what did that put out and what get that put out from the senior leaders down to the from the proponents out to the force?
0: You uh you kind of covered one of the next questions, which would be uh, what would you say to a W3 or even W four that aspires to someday rise to the position that you now hold? Um, I, I'm I always get kind of the same perspective from a lot of the senior warrants, which is uh, I'm not sure that I envisioned myself being where I'm at today as a W3 or even W4. Uh, but, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add? Is there if there's a three or four out there that's saying, I want that job, what would you say?
1: Well, like, like I mentioned earlier, I think that that's great. And as part of that three to five year kind of map that you should have for your career, that, that may be something that you're interested in. Um, I, I would say though, you know, there's, some geographical limitations for some of our CW5 spots across the different branches. So be cognizant of that. But I think first and foremost, you just, you need to be able to take the position for the right reasons. Um, And and those right reasons, as I mentioned, are are generally given back to the force and and taking that knowledge that uh, you've gained across the the course of a career and, and being able to apply that and being able to provide mentorship and be value added for senior commanders out there. Uh, and, and really just know your craft. So th- those are the things. It's, it's do it for the right reasons for sure. And, and there is no magical path or magical formula. It's really about just just hard work in every job you do.
0: we've We've picked up on a theme and 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 you have uh, said it as well. and that's that uh, they just have to be prepared to be that servant leader. as you as you transition into the senior ranks, it's really about giving back to those that you now serve.
1: Now Yeah. I, I think my boss has a great quote and he says, uh, the higher you go up in rank, the more people you actually serve. And I, and I think that's right. You know, and it, it is about being a servant leader and is about giving back as you mentioned. So I t- completely agree with you on that.
0: Um, now you, uh, this is my favorite part, uh, because this is when we get to see a little bit more of the uh, personality of the interviewee. Um, these last two questions are great. It has been said that the experience that experience is the best teacher. So as both a CW5 and uh, you know, you're you're the command chief warrant officer for the Military Intelligence Corps. Uh, what experience, success, or even failure have you learned from the most?
1: That that is a that's a really good question. I think probably like most senior leaders, you know, I've probably experienced my fair share of success as, as well as a fail, fair share of failures and i think that the the key to handling that is you really need to learn from your mistakes and i mean for for most folks that's probably not a blinding flash that is a blinding flash of the obvious rather um but but you learn from your mistakes and you don't do them again and and another key piece that that i have learned over the course of my you know just short of 27 years is You know, you you really need to maintain an even keel, keep that steady hand on the wheel Uh, in in the good times. Don't let the highs get too high and the bad times. Don't let the lows get too low. Uh, So don't overcorrect one way or or another based on success or failure, because you're you're probably going to get a little bit of both out of the course of a career. So um, just just taking everything in stride. Uh, and really learn from your mistakes is what I would say on that piece.
0: Do you have anything interesting or a formative anecdote from your career that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Perhaps it's funny. Perhaps it's
0: inspirational. It could be involved with your development as both an officer and a, a senior warrant officer.
1: You know, it, it's this. <laughs> believe it or not, as as I was kind of preparing for our discussion here today, this was maybe one of the more more difficult questions for me. Uh, I don't. I don't know that I have any real, uh, you know, pithy or funny anecdotes. Uh, I've been fortunate across the breadth of my career. I've had some amazing mentors, uh, some some really good leaders throughout my career, uh, great, great mentors from officers, warrant officers, enlisted, Department of the Army civilians, contract partners. I mean, all, all these people kind of came together uh, and, and put me on this career path and really nurtured me along the career path. Um, I think you know, nobody gets to these senior positions um, by themselves, and I've been a part of some amazing teams, and I think I think that's probably the key right there is teams. Um, you know, it, 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 it's really uh, powerful when you're able to be a, a part of these teams, and, and being a part of the team is what allows you to achieve success. Um, You know, when I go out and do LPDs, one thing that I I tell folks is, you know, you need to be the type of leader, be the type of warrant officer that you would want to be led by. uh, And and I think that's that's pretty important. So that's kind of where I would I would leave that piece.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough question. Um, You know, the I think it it probably differs in response with uh, MOS, uh, you know, the aviators. Uh Mike Lewis, he had a pretty funny one regarding indirect fire and, you know, letting a captain know, okay, if, if something happens, just let everybody know that you passed your check run. <laughs> and it's, it's those little moments, you know, where you look back later and you can't help but giggle. Uh, but, you know, as expected from the command chief warrant officer, of military intelligence, it was very much a Joe Friday type approach, just the facts, and uh, I appreciate as that. you would expect, That's as exactly I would expect. Right.
1: Exactly. Um, now, so, well, Mike Lewis is a good guy. Uh, I just had a, a discussion office call with him not too long ago, so it doesn't surprise me that, that he's got some some great stories and anecdotes.
0: It is so great to hear from senior warrant officers, and uh, you know we really appreciate you you know the opportunity to not just listen to you talk about doctrine. And uh, and things of that nature, but to share some mentorship and to give you the opportunity to speak to those that you uh, so willingly serve. Thank you so much for your time and sharing how our senior warrant officers leadership in their branch can ultimately contribute to meeting the doctrinal requirements for both the current and future fight. Uh, for updates on Cohort W and the Warren Officer Historical Foundation, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Simply search for at Warned Officer Historical Foundation 1918 or the Warren Officer Historical Foundation. Finally, to learn more about how you can support programs like this, please visit warnofficerhistory.org dot org. W.